What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. I'm back after a couple of weeks off, crazy doing NCAA tournament coverage. It was a blast. But I'm back and I'm excited to talk about the draft and the NFL trades. All kinds of craziness happening. I'm with Jake Schwanitz. I'm with Henry Chisholm. Let's go, guys. How's everybody doing? Oh, I'm here. It's been an insane... It's been an insane week, uh, two weeks. I don't even know. The NFL is a whirlwind right now. This is crazy. Yep. I put like 11 hours yesterday into this thing I wrote about cornerbacks. And I woke up this morning after like four hours of sleep and was just like, well, I hope it was good. Was it really, was it good? And so I have to like, uh, after this, I'm going to go back and read through it and be like, oh no, please be worth all of this. But yeah, the point is it's it's early and I'm tired, but I love running backs in the draft. So I've got like two minutes to warm up and I'll be good to go. <laughs> Hank rocking his new Broncos hat that he got out in Vegas. It was crazy. We were out there when right after, I guess, the Russell Wilson news broke. We literally flew out that day. And within 36 hours, there were people making Russell Wilson jerseys at the NFL store in Caesars Palace. Tried to cop one. It was way too big. I looked like a kid trying to wear his, his dad's jersey and I couldn't justify it. But yeah, the excitement is real in the AFC West right now. The, the competitiveness is real in the AFC West now. And dare I say, the Chiefs looking vulnerable? I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on this Tyree kill trade? First of all, like they get five picks for him, which is obviously an awesome haul. Is that worth it, though? I mean, you're losing such a massive portion of your offense. And I mean, the Chiefs weren't great at doing the like long drive down the field last year. They'd get kind of impatient. Like, I feel like the quick strike is a big part of their philosophy. I don't know. I mean, Mahomes is still great, no doubt. But this is a major loss. Yeah, I mean, like, I understand the the thinking where it's like, okay, you you only have whatever so however much money you have to to spend on your players and and you can't necessarily just give him the 40 million dollars a year or whatever that that uh the dolphins could and at some point you're going to lose him because of that at the same time though it you're you're taking a lot for granted moving on from Tyree Kill like, like I get the idea that like, yeah, you get the picks, you can kind of retool a little bit. It's a loss. It's going to hurt, but you're still the chiefs. You're still going to be competitive, all that, whatever. It's hard for me though, because like you had two more years of control. Like you, you could have given him that I mean, obviously one more year under contract in uh, 2022. And then after this season, you tag him and you've got him around for one more year. Honestly, you could tag him again after that and it'd be a big number, but it still wouldn't be what he's making. And, and sure, it might cause some issues to go through that process. You might get fr- whatever. But to give up on one of the players that's your identity when you could have had him for two more years, there's a real chance that we look at the Chiefs and just say, two years from now, like, what were you thinking? Now you haven't had these receivers. Now, now we're calling you guys like Aaron Rodgers. Like, ah, you're able to get him there. And you just don't have the talent to get over the top, whatever. Uh, as a Broncos fan, I love it. Exactly. I mean, here in the news, I was thrilled, of course. Um, but after, you know, you kind of dig in, it is pretty puzzling. Um, you know, the Dolphins did give up a King Ransom 
Uh, it was number 29 overall this year, number 50 overall this year, a fourth round pick and a fourth and sixth in 2023. Um, I Have we seen a receiver get traded for this much before? I mean, this is, I mean, you only really have the first and second round pick this year, but six draft picks. I feel like Five the two picks? first rounds is kind of the most we'd seen people give up. And I guess you can debate, is that more valuable than you know, the one first round and a, and a bunch of mid round picks, but considering they got multiple seconds for him, I think this is probably, I mean, at least off the top of my head, the, the biggest trade for a wide receiver. I mean, this is close to like Dickerson type trade compensation. I mean, you got to look at the Devonte Adams trade too. I mean, the AFC West is just going crazy with their draft picks flying around. Um, and, you know, it's great for those teams that they got a, a difference maker on the perimeter and arguably top five receivers, both of them. But you also had to pay them right away. I mean, I guess that's why the Chiefs have eventually got out of that deal. Um, but kind of like what Hanks said, you really have to pay him. Um, it does free up the Chiefs a bit for this year. They now have the third most cap space at $25 million. But then you look down the road at 2023, 2024, uh, they're still middle of the pack right now. So it's we're kind of already seeing the impact of this Mahomes extension. Yeah, it's, I mean, everybody agrees. Like, you got to lock Mahomes up long term. It does make things really tough. And, and I'm not sure this is one of the tough decisions I would have made. It, it definitely wouldn't have made it right now. And they'll probably like, are they going to get Tyron Matthew back because of this? It's definitely possible. Um, I don't even know, like Bobby Wagner, maybe they go in on him, stop just like rotating all those linebackers through. Like they, they could get a short-term deal done with just about anybody who's still available if they wanted to. And, and I guess if you factor Tyron Matthew into the trade return too, so you're getting rid of Hill for Matthew and those picks, like it's, Value-wise, I don't think it's a bad move. It's just that you are a Super Bowl contender, and now you're a much different team than you were before. And you might still be fine, and it'd be it'd make a lot of sense if you were still fine. But also, if you miss the playoffs, it'd be easy to look back and say, like, yeah, you just lost the guy who really opened up your offense and made it what it was. The thing that's interesting to me about this trade is we're we're seeing. You know, when you look at what the Broncos were willing to give up, when you look at what the Rams have done the last couple of years, now the Dolphins and the the Browns, you know, what what people are willing to give up for these star players, it's a lot closer to the way the NBA has operated the last 15, 20 years, where the GMs are kind of just like picks might pan out, but the odds of them being like great successes probably aren't that high. So fuck it, let's go get a guaranteed thing, even though we might have them for less time, obviously less cost control, all of that factor. But do you guys think that this is just going to be the way of the NFL moving forward? Or I don't know, maybe it might just be a reactionary thing like this offseason we're seeing a bunch. But the, the, the from a drama perspective, all these trades, is it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, yeah. But uh, like you said, it's interesting to see kind of the value of these draft picks really changing right in front of our eyes. Um, and it's just, it's personally, I believe that building through the draft is still the way to win in this league. And, you know, it's something that George Payton said just over a year ago when he was hired, um, you know, the Broncos were going to build through the draft is what he said. Um, and I guess 
when you trade away the, and use the picks for a quarterback uh, that's already been in the league, that still counts as using the draft, I suppose. But um, it's going to come is, you know, you go back to the Rams, right? I think the reason one that they've been so, so successful is because of Sean McVay and they've been able to bring in all these guys, but also Les Snead and the scouting department and the whole front office have been nailing these kind of depth day three picks, day two picks. I mean, they, I can, when's the last time they picked in the first round guys, it's been, I don't know, four or five years, four years point. at least. So, yeah. so if you're still able to hit on these kind of late round picks, you're still technically building through the draft and you're still, they're very, very still. It's just that I guess the margin of error on those picks really kind of, then you just have to hit them that much more now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has this shifted the landscape of the AFC at all or are, the Chiefs still the team to beat, in your guys' opinion? Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are the scariest team until they're not. Like, next up, like, the gap is probably smaller. Like, you maybe don't expect them to be number one at the end of the year, but you do know that they're supposed to be in that conversation. And it's like the Chargers, or it's like the Chargers, uh, they're, they're not good. And, like, I get that they have all these players. It never works out for them. They have bad luck. I'm going to be betting against the Chargers making the playoffs until they prove me wrong. The Chiefs, it's like, yeah, you're the scariest team until we understand that you absolutely are not anymore. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling does nothing for me. Like, the fact right. that they thought that he was an answer, I, I don't know. And he's getting close to, like, Tim Patrick money. It's wild. For a guy who, like, at one point, I think might have had a 600-yard season. Like, that's... It, if it works out, then I'm going to feel dumb, but I'm also just going to be able to say, like, yeah, you got a crazy fast receiver and paired him with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe that is all it takes, but just the, he's shown really, really no ability other than being fast. He's, yeah. he's, he's got talent, man. He, he made some plays with Rogers and they developed a nice rapport down the stretch, especially when they would be like doubling Adams and stuff, but he's no Tyree kill. I mean, it's one of those, like he's dead. Yeah, he's a fine receiver, but you are taking a serious downgrade in that at retrospect. And I mean, all these secondaries are looking pretty solid in the AFC West. Obviously, you know, it's still Mahomes. So kind of like Hank said, the Chiefs are, are scary until they're not. But I don't know, man. I feel like you've got to feel a lot better if you're a Broncos fan, a Raiders fan, and even a Chargers fan. I, I do agree in principle, the Chargers are going to find a way to charger it up. But with all the, the talent that they brought in, it's, it seems hard to think they'd at least not be in the conversation. Right. I mean, with... You, they still have Patrick Mahomes, which, I mean, losing Tyreek Hill is massive. I don't want to understate that, but I still think that they have the best quarterback in the division. Um, a guy who can really just pull a rabbit out of the hat. And, you know, even if they don't have Tyreek Hill, they still have the ability to go down the field in what, three, four, five plays, right? So, and let's not forget, too, they also had a Juju. So you're kind of bringing Juju and MVS in to replace, to try and make up for that production of Tyreek Hill. Um, it's kind of like a money ball approach, right? You're going to try and just grab a bunch of different guys. You don't want one guy to replace Tyreek Hill. You want kind of a stable of guys to replace that production. I love that. That was amazing. Moneyball is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> oh, that movie. was awesome. There, Let's, um, Hank, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, draft-wise, though, if, with these two picks, I, I'd go receiver with both of them if I'm them. Right. Like mm-hmm. that to me, like in a dream world, you go get like Drake London and Jamison Williams or something like that. And, and if you get two guys like that, maybe 
maybe you can justify losing Tyreek just a little bit, but this receiver's room is bad right now. Mace I mean, threw Trey McBride out there. Go get him in the second. You know, if you get Drake London and, and Trey McBride, that's a pretty nasty receiving core. Um, that would be awful. I would hate every second of that. But Trey with Mahomes <laughs> would be sick for him personally. I'd be okay with that. But oh, that'd be so conflicting. Real quick, just looking at the depth chart, though, I don't, I mean, it's not great, of course, but there is some speed, I think, still. You got Josh Gordon, you got McCole Hardman, you got MVS. Those are some fast guys. Um, you add in Juju also more of like a possession dude. So yeah, if you add, I don't know, say a Chris Olave or a Jamison Williams, you're kind of inserting that speed right back in and they pick back to back now at a, what is it here? 29 and 30. Um, I got to imagine one of those is a wide receiver. Definitely one of them. The value is there. Well, let's, let's shift our focus and kind of get more into the draft perspective here. We'll, we have our running back rankings, which we're going to get to in a little bit, but there are a couple of mocks from Daniel, Jeremiah, and Mel Kuyper that we want to go over. Before we do, though, college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers bet $5 on any team to win. Get 200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the college hoops. The same game parlay. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets. If they do, if they win, you win with the promo code DNVR. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, we've been on the Athletic Greens train for more than a month now. What Athletic Greens is, is just like this powder that you put in your water once a day. And it's basically the, the same effect of having like a whole bunch of those vitamins and supplements and all those things that people typically take. Um, they actually have 75 high quality vitamins in the powder. There's minerals in there. There's whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens. And it, it really does just help make the mornings a little bit better. It starts your day off right. Um, you know, typically like I usually, I usually like drink some when I wake up and then go to the gym and then afterwards still like get a coffee or something. Some people say are so energized. They don't even drink coffee in the mornings anymore. Um, it really is good stuff and it helps you in so many different ways. Um, it, like I said, it can energize you, but it's also good for like gut health and uh, just your immune system. Um, it means that you don't have to take all of those pills or vitamins or all that sort of stuff that you typically take. Um, it, it's, it's really awesome stuff. And if you are uh, interested in signing up, you can get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash buffs. That's at, or yeah, we're going buffs. We're still going buffs here. Or Rams. Athletic, yeah. Slash buffs <laughs> and uh, it'll get all hooked up. Or Rams. Anyways, let's talk about these, uh, these mock drafts, starting with Daniel Jeremiah. First things first. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, his stock is as high as it's going to get. Not shocking that he's number one, but Trayvon Walker, number two overall to the Detroit Lions. And this is a guy who's 
stock. I mean, going back to like the SEC championship, he, he's probably risen the most of anybody in this entire class. And then they have Thibodeau going three. So one, two, three, all the edge guys. Is this surprising to you? Could you guys see a scenario where this happens? I mean, it's clear that these are probably three of the top 10 players in this draft. It We're coming up on, you know, we, kind of, we kind of see how the quarterbacks get elevated and obviously the quarterback class is a little weaker this year. And so I think that's why we're seeing these guys, the edges kind of get pushed up to the top. Uh, you want to take the premium guys first, of course, and just looking at the top four, top five, really, I mean, these are teams that don't necessarily need a quarterback, right? I mean, you could argue Detroit possibly. Uh, so it makes sense to go after either the one of the big pass protectors or one of the big uh, edge rushers. Trevon Walker, though, that's a hell of a rise. We should mention DraftKings, too, now has Trevon Walker. Second best odds to go first overall at plus, plus 500. Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson still number one at minus 300. That's a massive gap. It's a big gap, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, just looking through both these, I mean, the other one, the the, the Kuiper mock, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau falls to like seven or eight. And it's, it's just wild to see that because, again, I just think that people are overthinking him. I agree, though, like these edges and maybe maybe the tackles, too, are at the very top of the class. Because um, like you said, I mean, who's taking a quarterback? Like there was the buzz this week that Detroit is interested in. I think it was in Malik Willis, but like very clearly not interested at number two. You know, even even like the Texans at number three, they have Davis Mills. Davis Mills was... I mean, there were people mocking him in the first round last year. I, he, he was probably QB six in that class, a class where the top five are better than anybody in this class. Like where would Davis Mills fit into this class? Like that's not somebody who I, you look around and say like, you could get a huge upgrade on Davis Mills. It's like, no, that was, that was a rookie quarterback who looked good last year. He had the one bad game at the start that kind of turns the people off. But other than that, take him over Kenny Pickett. Why not? That's a great point, Hank. Um, we should mention DJ having Kenny as his quarterback, 18th overall to the New Orleans Saints. Both of them. Um, is that what they both, is what they both have? So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see. Um, a couple of other guys too, I want to talk about. We saw Jordan Davis, he's kind of back on the rise now at 12th overall to the Vikings. Uh, Derek Stingley, a guy who's been pretty volatile really throughout this process, all the way down to 20 overall now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, then you got a little bit of run on receiver. I like to see my guy's eye on the 24 to the Cowboys. Stingley drop is kind of on par with what we've been preaching for two years now, though. That's that the, the raw talent is there. You could understand why somebody would fall in love with him. He's probably going to be a top 20 pick when it's all said and done. But it, he's just so inconsistent. Like, I, there's just there's better options. Sauce Gardner's there, you know. Like we we've seen a lot of these. I like McDuffie a lot better than him. Like I, I just think there are three or four corners in this draft that are much more reliable. Maybe not his ceiling might be the highest just because of his raw athleticism, but his it's you know the ceiling floor debate. I, it's he's interesting in particular just because it, it it has to be mentioned that LSU has been kind of a shit show over the past couple of years, you know, ever since that national title uh, run. Fair. And yeah. he was obviously a big part of that run and they lost a ton of talent uh, going into 2020. Uh, he was there, obviously didn't really play his best. So 
I, I understand the criticism for sure. I just can't help but think this guy could be, he's massive, just boomer bust potential, especially in this class. You know, uh, if he ends up falling down to 20 down here or shoot, I could even see it, you know, going further down. Um, it could become a real steal. I want to mention real quick. Uh, we talked about the chiefs. They got Christian Watson. DJ has Christian Watson going at pick number 30. Uh, receiver out of North Dakota State, a guy that we talked about a little bit a couple shows ago. I can't remember if it was last week or not, but that is a crazy rise also. It is. Well, I mean, he's, he's a freak. First, he, I mean, like when you just have an athlete like that, I mean, we just saw the Chiefs give that deal to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. This is like Marquez Valdez-Scantling on steroids. Like he's, <laughs> he's just as big. He's... I'm, I mean, probably faster. What was it? Four, three, eight, 40 times, something like that. Coming mm-hmm. out of that North Dakota state offense, like, you know, he can block. It's just, that's a great point. You, you just are going to have to coach him up coming from a, a program like that. His dad's a former chief too, which makes it a, a fun storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm always a fan of, of that type of stuff. Anything else you want to talk about with Daniel Jeremiah? He's Nicobe Dean going 32nd overall. To Lions with the Rams pick, so no, no QB for Detroit. I mean, um, most of these I, are pretty obvious. Brees Hall at 25 to Buffalo would be really interesting. Tyler yeah. Smith all the way up at 26. The tackle out of Tulsa is pretty surprising. And then I real quick, I want to go back to Hank's point that he mentioned earlier about uh, Detroit being interested in Malik Willis. That number 32 overall pick, I think, is going to create a lot of intrigue. Um, even if they don't pick at 32, I mean, what does Detroit have to lose trading up from 32 to say, I don't know, 16 or something, uh, one of those Eagles picks to go get their guy Malik Willis? You know what I mean? I mean, that's a team that it would make sense for them to actually go up and get a quarterback in this scenario. It could. If you're going to take one, you want the cost control and you want that fifth year, right? Like if you're going to take one, why let him slip to the second round? Exactly. Over, um, under two and a half quarterbacks in the first 40 picks. Ooh. Over. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I still think it's three in the first round. Uh, I don't know if I can quite get there in the first round. I think round. it's two I in think... the first round, but definitely three in the first 40. Yeah, top 40 makes it pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm so glad um, the Broncos aren't a part of this conversation. They might <laughs> draft a late, you know, they might bring in a quarterback from the draft and, you know, fourth round on and, and that'd be fine. I'd gladly, you know, look into them, but this is just such a refreshing process to, to know that we have a legitimate QB and, and Russell Wilson, um, Kuiper's draft. He actually, I should know has Stingley at 11 to Washington, second cornerback, just ahead of McDuffie. He goes 12th to Minnesota. So there is still plenty of uh, Stingley hype. Also a ton of edges and tackles going, I mean, it's it's all pretty similar. Pickett to New Orleans at 18. Both guys have Jamison Williams going to the Patriots, which be would be crappy for the rest of the AFC, but is a natural fit with Mac Jones. What else? Um, so he's got three in the first round, right? He's got uh, Pickett at 18 to the Saints. He's got Willis at 20 to the Steelers. And then just like I was mentioning, he's got uh, Matt Corral at 32 to the Lions. So... He's, I mean, it, it, who do you trust at this point, right? I mean, they're both kind of pretty connected guys. Um, these mock drafts can tell you a lot more so a month from now when we're right on the doorstep of the draft, not so much now, I guess. 
Um, but it's just interesting to note, I guess, that Kuiper might be hearing some more QB buzz than initially we've heard. Mm-hmm. But still the first one going at 18. And, and that being Kenny Pickett to the Saints, there might be something there. Also, I mean, Drake London, number four in this one. Yeah. He's, he's a freak. He's a freak. Malik in Pittsburgh would be fine with Najee Harris and all the play action opportunities it opens up. I also worry that they would just kind of try and make him Lamar and run him into the ground. But well, I mean, look at people are going to make fun of Trubisky and stuff. And I, I'm, I was one of them, not going to lie. I mean, it's crazy to me that they're kind of anointing him as a starter already. But when you kind of break it down and like follow, he's the better than Mason here, Rudolph. Absolutely. But he's also got that super, he's not super. He's got that athletic element to his game, you know, so you can kind of design a similar offense for him and Malik Willis, uh, you know, incorporating quarterback run, uh, rollout stuff, throw on the run, which both quarterbacks excel at. So while we don't really think of Mitch as uh, a quarterback like Malik Willis, it would make sense once you kind of step step back and look at it all from like a bird's eye perspective. Mm-hmm. Right on. Let's get into the running backs. Which uh, I know. How do we want to do this? <laughs> it's ah, let's all right. Let's just instead of like doing one through five, everybody, let's just kind of start talking about them and, and kind of just see where the conversation goes. I'll start. I think the best running back in this draft by far is Kenneth Walker, uh, the third. I almost said junior, he's the third. I love his explosiveness, I like him between the tackles, I like his vision. The only thing that worries me is it's, it's kind of a small sample size, kind of a, a one-hit wonder, if you will, but also kind of like that he doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires, whereas Brees Hall, who I like a lot, just taking a ton of college carries, and you worry a little bit about his longevity moving forward. Where are you guys at? Who's your top running back? I've got Mr. Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. I think... Not worried about the testing? No, I, so here's the thing. I'm, I'm relying a lot on the film here, I think, because when I watched Isaiah Spiller, I thought point blank, he just had the best kind of lower body movement skills and explosion. Um, his ability to kind of jump cut, move gap to gap is something that really just, it pops off the film to me. Um, he does, he's got some production in the passing game, only 25 career, uh, 25 receptions, 21, 74 career receptions, kind of a body catcher, but once the ball is in his hands, man, he just does some special things with it. Um, I really like how he's able to kind of just win in a phone booth. I think he's the best in the class at that. Uh, so while, you know, as we get to talking about these guys, I think there's other guys that might be, I guess, more pro ready. I don't know if that's the correct term, but I mean, more well-rounded at this point, but I think that Isaiah Spiller just, I think the ceiling's just way higher for him more than anyone else. I think that he's a guy that can come in. Uh, he can contribute in a backfield today with the hope of him being the lead back uh, a year or two down the line. Yeah. He's my number two. Um, he's, he's just, so strong and, and the explosive side to side, I guess that's really yeah. what it is that separates him from everybody else. Um, the receiving ability is there too. I don't think that gets talked about enough, but he's a, he's a good receiving back. I think like, is it like Le'Veon Bell type of vibes? Like he definitely does. a zone runner. He does. I think that's probably the comp for him. Um, my number one, I went with Brees Hall. Like you, there's the combination of the shiftiness 
and and the top end speed and the size and the years of production. Like I, I think that he's just he's just really good. Like he can break tackles, he can make guys miss. He's fast. Like I don't. It doesn't feel like there's anything missing from his game to me. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think I I, I don't want to say I worry about it, but he does have a lot. Not a lot, but he's got more mileage on the tires than a lot of these guys in this class. Um, so I kind of played that in. But as I mentioned, I was talking about Isaiah Spiller. He's if you need a running back today for 2021, he's the guy that I would go get because I think he has a little bit more to offer today in the passing game than Isaiah Spiller. I think he's more confident in his hands. He uses his hands to catch more rather than his own body. Um, shows some good route running. He's a really smart runner too. I think he, that's, I don't want to say underrated, but it doesn't really, it's not something that really kind of pops off the film. Um, he can get skinny through the hole, luck his vision a lot. Uh, you know, where did he, where do we have him in these mocks? He's going like what, 24 to 27. I think that's about right. I think Brees Hall is going to end up being a first round player. I think Iowa State used him better than Texas A&M used Spiller, though, in terms of the passing game and, and putting him in a position to kind of showcase those abilities. Because I do, I, I agree with you guys. I think the most underrated selling point for Spiller, who I have as running back three, I mean, those those are the top three guys, in my opinion, Walker, Hall, and Spiller. And, and then you can kind of mix and match from there. I just I don't think we've even seen the best of him yet, and that makes him a little bit hard to evaluate. But the, the ceiling does feel pretty high. Yeah, it's I. So I have four guys that I think are. I don't want to say they could come in and like be lead backs right away, but you add them, and your run, running back room just gets instantly better. And you know, I don't think you can be mad taking either of them at this point, if, especially if you need a running back. Um, you know, for the Bron- from a Broncos perspective, I don't think any of these top four guys are really in play. Personally, I would be surprised. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say we're we're going to get into that conversation as well. Um, as as far as like who out of these running backs that we'll talk about will would be the best fit to to pair with Javante Williams in that Denver backfield. Doesn't seem like they're going to bring Melvin Gordon back at this point, unless. I don't know. He might just stay on the market long enough that he ends up taking a friendlier deal, but based on his like tweets and stuff, it kind of doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But just real quick, I got to tell the people about Ripple, which is a fast-acting, dissolvable, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. With Ripple dissolvables, you can make anything inedible. It's flavorless. It's dissolvable. Like I said, it is so quick. Ripple Quick Sticks are the most convenient way to get the fastest THC experience. Just put it on your tongue. Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience you're looking for. That's the best part, guys. You can get whatever type of high you're looking for. It's not some random brownie that you were given by a dude in your dorm who's like, no, bro, you're going to be okay. All of a sudden, you're in the stratosphere. No sketchy science here. Ripple's speed and absorption were studied by Colorado State University, Go Rams, in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. The results were published in a peer-reviewed journal, Science, and watch him break him back. Where can you find Ripple? Colorado's peer di- premier dispensary, Lightshade, with 10 soon-to-be... Actually, there's 11. They need to change this. There are 11 locations. It opened March 1st in the metro in Aurora area. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. 
Lightshade has a premium selection on cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And drum roll, please. Get 25% off non-sale items with the code DNVR. Go to lightshade.com. Find the closest location near you. Get your shit now. All right. That was can fun. We, uh, can we go back to Kenneth Walker real quick? Um, so I actually have him at running back four. And it, I don't know. I, uh, as we kind of do this every week now, I, I feel bad putting like these good players at like four and five just because I don't want to sound like I don't like them. Um, because I do like Kenneth Walker. I think he's got... Uh, the ability to come in and make an impact right away. He it's a different body type, but when I watch him, he kind of reminds me of like Raheem Mostert where you just need to get that guy an open lane and get him in top gear as quick as possible. And that's when he's really at his most dangerous. I don't think he offers too much on third down right now. I wasn't a fan of his pass pro and he only has 19 career receptions, 13 coming in 2021. But you know, this is a guy that played for Michigan State, a team that's not really honestly throwing the ball too much or to running backs and for that matter. Um, but I do think that Kenneth Walker, if you can get him into like, you know, one of these wide zone uh, kind of run schemes, that's that's really where I like him. Or even I, I think he's versatile enough to play gap schemes. If he's just coming down downhill with a full head of steam, uh, he can dip the shoulder on you and he can run through you, too. Yeah, I have him at number four too. He he reminds me of like a, a Clyde Edwards Alaire without the the receiving skills, without so much of the receiving skills. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, well, he, I think he's listed like two ten or something, five ten, two ten, which is five like nine, the bowling ball. Five nine two eleven is what the combine uh, measurements okay. were. Five nine two eleven. So again, like bowling ball, but also when you look at him, he just doesn't feel like he runs that big to me which is still like fine, but like what Colorado has Jarek Broussard transferring over there and Jarek, we've talked about him on the podcast a little bit, but speedy little back former offensive player of the year in the pac 12. And, and I feel like that is kind of that same mold where it's like, okay, you're as fast little guy, but not in my mind, like super fast. Like, like, and that's the thing is if he had that top end speed, then I could see how you, he, he's, you know, the number one drafting the first round, whatever. But I do think that maybe the home run hitting ability, not, I don't know. Obviously he had it in college and there's going to be some in the NFL, but I do wonder when it comes time just to, to grind the ball and, and move ahead, you know, to me, he's not CJ Anderson in terms of like the power ability, even though they do kind of have that same build. I feel like he's shifty. He, he's not as he's not he as powerful as MJD used to be, but he kind of reminds me of that like bounce around like behind, and then all of a sudden he hits the hole and it's you know he just torches the linebackers. I agree. I think Brees Hall has better top end speed. I like Hall and Spiller better as pass catching backs, but just pure between the tackles ability to like hit those you know forty yard runs. I just I think he's explosive, man. And again, I'm I'm not sure we've seen the best of him yet either, which is crazy after. The, the season that he just had my, well, my go ahead. I was just going to say, that's the thing. Only 480 career carries uh, with the greater majority, 263 coming in 2021. Like you're getting a guy that's he's ready to go, man. And he's shown that he can do it without taking a lot of hits. You're hoping you get Derek Henry and uh, 
not you know like Eddie Lacy or one of the other Bama backs who use right. that that same argument. You know, they didn't have a lot of tread on their tires. Or you know, Damian Harris. You know, a lot of these guys, mm-hmm. they do work out. My uh, my fifth running back is James Cook, and I know that he hasn't played a ton, but I just feel like he fits the NFL game so much better than what he was able to do at Georgia. And again, you know, it's, I think he's one of those guys. Like if you watch the film, you're gonna be like. Really, this is your fifth running back? He's not that exciting, but his ability as a pass catcher, I think he's honestly like between the tackles, I think he can be pretty solid. I I, I think his potential is as awesome. Yeah, I agree. I like him a lot. Um like you said, his his value lies, you know, kind of in the the passing game as a pass catcher. I don't think he's got enough as a pass protector to really be a true three. Like that's a, what really worries me is he's probably a one down back, but there is value in that if you use but, him effectively. Right, and but like you could throw this guy out in the slot too. You can you can use him like one of these. Uh, like a Kadarius Tony Rondale Moore type of player too, where you know you're throwing them in reverses, you're getting them screens, just easy touches like that. Um, as a runner, though, I think he's he's got enough. He's not a great inside runner. Um, he kind of goes down on first contact and contact around. The he's not Dalvin Cook. Like if you want him to be his yes. brother, it's he's he's not going to be it. They're just different. Yeah. They, I mean, they're brothers obviously, and they look almost identical, but yeah, their, their games are fairly different. Um, I mean, he's the perfect committee back, man. He's a guy that, you know, you get him five to 10 touches a game through carries or receptions. Um, that's enough. Cause you just need the guy to, you know, he needs one big play and his impacts felt. Well, kind of off of that. That's why I think if we're talking about who would be the best to pair with Javante Williams, it might be him, you know, I think you could make the argument for a, a Spiller or Brees Hall as well, just with what they bring in the passing game. But you don't really like those are three down backs, and you don't really need it. I do think they're going to get Javante significantly more carries than they did last year. You bring in somebody like Cook to to mix it up, get him like you said five to ten touches a game, probably a lot of screen passes, you know, even sweeps, pitches, even like just simplify it. He's a playmaker. He's electric in the open field. And he can just kind of take some of that home run hitting away from Javante. And like with how physical he is, he's going to wear people down. And, and then you bring in the speedy guy and he just runs around him. Feels like a match made in heaven. Yeah. I'm curious what this Broncos offense is going to look like. Because like when you think like the West Coast, all that stuff, like the under center bootleg type of thing. Like I don't think that James Cook has much of a role um, in, in an offense when you're under center. I think you, you basically have to play him out of the shotgun just spread things out a little bit. Um, and again, with, with Russell Wilson in there, I mean, with the way they've used Aaron Rodgers more late in his career, like I, that that probably is a good fit. But what you'd really like is to pair him with like a Ben Roethlisberger or like a Tom Brady, where it's like, we're just, right. we're playing out of shotgun. And then, then you could really get him a lot of run. Um, I think it's kind of tough to say. And I don't, I don't love his ability between the tackles. Like he has enough to keep you honest. Like you have to, you have to respect it, but even the runs where he's like going and he's like pushing through guys and like staying on his feet. And there aren't a whole lot of those, but even on those ones, you're like, ah, if, if this is an average NFL linebacker, you're probably, you're probably just going down right there. And on top of that, I, well, he ran like a four, four, two 40. I thought that was a good time for him. I didn't think he had like that 
next level, next level speed, you know, mm-hmm. um, but for what he does, that's plenty good enough. I mean, especially if you're thinking of him as kind of like a, a James White type of back. Then but That's uh, the thing is, I don't think he really got a chance to show it at Georgia. Like he just, he didn't have a ton of opportunities in space where he could just like hit it. Right. Well, look, I mean, Stetson Bennett was, he was the right guy for the job this year at Georgia. Right. But he's, he's, he's not the quarterback you want to kind of be putting all this offensive talent to its best use. Right. Um, And so James Cook is, I, I definitely see the upside in the NFL. I mean, the 40 yard dash is near identical to his brother's. Um, comes in at the same height, basically is about 10 pounds lighter. Um, and that, that 10 pounds, you you see it for sure. Like King said, he's not going to run through people, but I do think he has enough, uh, shiftiness and quickness in the lower body and hips to kind of dance around guys, especially in like a phone booth, um, type he's, he's just super intriguing, man. Um, if you guys are done with him, I'd like to transition to the guy I have at running back three, which is actually his teammate, Zamir White, uh, Zamir White. Again, kind of like James Cook, where he had this role at Georgia, and that was just kind of it, right? Uh, obviously, James Cook was like the passing down guy, and then they'd hand it off to Zamir on first and second down. Uh, only 382 career carries, uh, with his most coming in 2021, 160. Only 17 career receptions, though. So, like I said, you're not seeing a lot of that. Uh, passing game versatility. I just think that he's a strong, tough runner with good speed. Um, he shows enough side-to-side movement and kind of moving in a phone booth for me to really feel comfortable with him in terms of uh, not just being the fast, big guy that runs straight ahead. You know, I think that in his own scheme, he could still get some work in for you. Um, although I do think a gap scheme would be best, I think that he can run well enough in zone to really make an impact there. Uh, he breaks tackles. He's got good contact balance, plays with physicality. I like him a lot, man. He's yeah. a more NFL-ready running back right now than, than Cook is And if you like need a three-down type back. Definitely. Definitely. Just so straight ahead, so linear, like well, kind of like freight train-ish. I think I right. like that. And Well, now I, have a, I have a similar back. I've got Brian Robinson as my number three. Um, okay. Just the way he turned it on, I... I Again, like, I don't know that he fits in Denver necessarily because he's another one who's probably a lot more gapped in zone. Um, but it's that same thing where he just is so strong. And and when he's he does that thing where, like, he runs into a defender and the defender is, like, chopping his feet, going backwards, holding him up. And, like, that is the sign of strength. Like, that is the kind of stuff you look at. It's like He okay, moves this, the pile. Exactly. Like, this translates. This is This is going to be a strength at the next level. I think that's why I have him. And it, he might just be like a two down back. Um, he, uh, like I said, I don't know that you want a bunch of zone runs with him, but if if you just want him to line up and go straight ahead, I, I think that he, uh, he, he's again, like my number three back. I think he's a great option for that. I've got him at number five. Um, I agree with basically everything you said. I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, most impressive aspect to me, honestly, was how he ran on the goal line. You really saw that kind of that strength, um, that second effort ability in those situations. Has decent enough contact balance and strength, um, and that's where he really imposes his will. Uh, I think he moves well enough side to side. I, I don't think it's. 
I mean, it's good enough. Uh, it's nothing too crazy. I wouldn't go running this guy in wide zone, outside zone, um, where he has to like kind of make a decision or a cut on the fly, really. Uh, like you said, downhill, that's where that's just him and his best. I thought he was one of the best pass protection running backs that uh, I watched, too. Um, he really kind of lays the hammer there. He blocks face up. He doesn't cut. Um, so he's active there. And also there are some plays where they would have him as lead blocker. And like you said, Hank, you would, you would see next snap back when they made contact with Brian Robinson. Mm -hmm. He feels to me like a running back. You would want to take late second round, third round. Um, the, the lack of top end speed worries me just in terms of getting away from NFL linebackers. He's also 23 years old, which, you know, depending on how you view it can be a concern. Brees Hall, for instance, is 20. So it's, it's kind of a, a tough debate there, but the benefit is obviously he's 23, but he was coached by Nick Saban for four, five years and he doesn't have a ton of tread on his miles because he didn't start until that, that last year. Mm -hmm. I love him as, as a Bama guy. I, I think he's an awesome pass protector. He was great between the tackles this year. But again, I also feel like you saw in that national championship game when he does have to go against, you know, more athletic linebackers, he struggled, you know, kind of getting away and he's, he's big, he's strong. He's going to push forward for a couple yards at a time, but it wasn't like against Cincinnati where he's just going for eight, nine yards a pop. Also underrated receiver too. 52 career receptions, 35 coming in 2021 for nearly 300 yards, had two touchdowns through the air too. So you know, he's not he's not going to be your James Cook or we'll get to Kyron Williams, uh, who else? Tyler Batty or uh, Pierre Strong. He's not like the, that type of receiving back, but he he has enough to like you said with. Um, oh, I can't remember. who you said I think it was Isaiah Spiller, Justin, but he's got enough to keep you honest in the passing game. You know, you can have him out there on a third down, not just because of his pass protection skills, but because he could, you know, he could sneak out the backfield and he can pick up a first down for you if you get him the ball quickly enough. He's a really good player. I like him. He's not scared of it. That's one thing about a couple of those Bama backs. Even like Henry, a little bit in college, when they would try and throw him the ball, you could see him like clapping his hands at the ball, like trying to catch, but it was just awkward. He's a very natural catcher of the football. He's great at those little dump screens or just, you know, little swing passes where, you, like you said, you just need a first down, pick up five, six yards on third down. I like him a lot. My, my biggest qualm is just that lack of top end speed and, Again, it, it's hard to invest, I think, a first or second round pick in a running back that's 23 years old. Yeah, good points. Um, so just to recap, I had Spiller one, Hall two, Samir White three, Kenneth Walker four, Brian Robinson five. What'd you guys have? Hank? Uh, I had Hall one, Spiller two, Robinson three, uh, Kenneth Walker four, and then Kyron Williams is my number five. Okay, nice. I had Walker one, Hall two, Spiller three. Actually, I didn't even go. I had a Cook four. I said it was five, but four. And then five, I have Damian Pierce at a Florida. Uh -huh. Who I've I've gone so back and forth on him over the last year and a half. Like I, you watch him one game and you're like, this guy can do it all. And then you watch him for two more weeks and he just completely disappears on you. I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen enough to be confident that he's going to be good between the tackles. He's a decent enough pass catcher, but the thing about him is I like most things about his game, but I don't love anything. He, 
I feel the same. I kind of went back and forth on him. He's a guy that, as I watched Florida throughout the season, I always kind of took note of him because he played in a heavy backfield rotation. He was the lead back, but I just felt like he was by far and away Florida's best running back. Um, He's just, he's kind of got the best combination of like vision instincts and just like football smarts when he runs the football. It feels like he always picks the right lane to go to. Um, The thing I can't, you know, 40 times with running backs are an interesting conversation. Um, in Pierce's case, four, five, nine, that's not great. Um, and I think that shows up on the tape. It's he's got a kind of he doesn't really have that burst. Um, not necessarily, you know, top end speed, but just, you know, if he has five yards of space, I don't really see that acceleration in that area. Um, and just like getting around the edge on like some outside runs, he he gets caught by uh by front seven players. And that's just, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I mean, he's got 45 career receptions. He doesn't really have the skills as a route runner, but I just think he's got so much talent and ability as a pure runner that you could take this guy. I don't know, maybe third round, probably going to end up being a day three pick though. And I don't know. I want to get to this later, but he's like a candidate for that. Like, uh, I don't know, like Elijah Mitchell, or if you want to call it uh, Philip Lindsay, if you will, award these guys that kind of come in late and just really make an impact. I like his ceiling. I, I agree with everything you said. I think his vision is great. He goes down a little too easily, especially you said, you know, you mentioned the back seven there. I, I feel like corners were able to arm tackle him way too easily. Got to put on, put up some strength. I, I think he'll put on some weight in the NFL too, but yeah, I don't. I, I like him. I'm not crazy about this running back class. If if it's not obvious at this point, I'm I'm glad that they were able to get Javante because I think he is significantly better than than any of these backs coming out. Other than maybe I I do like Brees Hall a lot, but I I don't think he would pair well with Javante. Oh man, that's interesting to bring up. If Javante's in this class, I think I might have him over Brees Hall right behind Spiller, maybe even over Spiller. I loved Javante last year. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you led the hype train the entire season. Like you got, you were driving the hype train. You tried to get us on it early. We were a little bit skeptical. You kind of forced us on. And then by the end, we were like sitting there. No, we've been here the whole time. Like get on here. <laughs> but Jake really was the, the Javante stand. But I don't think any of these guys are better than, than him or Najee Harris. Not knowing what we know now. Yeah, knowing, last, knowing what we knew last year. Uh, yeah, to me, Javante with all those guys up at the top, I think it would be a conversation. It would, I, it'd be really hard. It, I don't know. Maybe I, below Brees Hall, just because people have been really high on him for two full years now. Yeah. Javante might that, have been first. That's, it's, I mean, if Javante is Knowing in this what class, we know I, now, I think you might you could make the argument, but Najee was great last year. So it's hard to argue against him. Yeah. Well, Najee is definitely still running back one in that class to me. Yeah. Uh, we haven't touched on Kyron Williams though. Uh, yeah, let's go. He, uh, obviously like the, the 40 time, the four, six, five, whatever that has kind of stolen the conversation the last couple of weeks, but Notre Dame running back. He's, he is so good. You know, you watch him run and the difference between him and Kenneth Walker does not seem to be big at all. It's just that one was significantly faster in the 40 time at this point to me. Um, I think, I think first of all, he'd probably be my, 
probably the best fit in Denver um, out of anybody in this class to me. Um, Because obviously the first thing you look for in Denver is the um, just, just the receiving ability and third down ability and Kyron, you know, he can, he can catch the ball, the backfield. He's quick enough to make plays out there. He has the pass protection ability. Like he might be just the best third down back in this class. Um, in my book on top of that, you know, he's, he's a great fit for his own scheme. He's so shifty. I think like, whereas James cook, I'm not sure I would want him running between the tackles all that much. Um, I, I would be just fine throwing Kyron Williams out there. And because he is a little bit smaller, maybe you do have some questions about how effective he'd be. Um, but if you're running those outside zones, like I, I do think that he would be fine. Um, just so shifty, um, pretty powerful too. I mean, that he has kind of that Phil Lindsay, like take that guy out, push him back. And who knows whether that translates or how much of it translates, but he's, he's in my top five because he's so good on passing downs. I think he gives you enough on the early downs that you'd be excited about. That 40 was bad. He's not, he's faster than that. Like Mm -hmm. I, it it was so bad that it, to me, it it was obvious. It was like, he, he had to have like slipped. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the thing about the forties. You take one awkward step. You don't get off the block good enough. It's good. It's going to be a massive difference. I don't think Notre Dame's had their pro day yet, have they? Not that seen. Oh man, I don't think so. I don't think so. So I'll be curious. He's probably going to have to run again because you want to try and beat that time. That that time will one hundred percent be faster at the pro day too. Mm-hmm. Even if he isn't actually faster, it will. be It's going to come out. Yeah, the the, yeah. the hometown clock always plays out in these. It's like I hate even saying it, but. I have a feeling that Trey McBride's 40 will be decent at his pro day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll tell you my opinion on the 40. Honestly, I don't really care. Um, You know, it's not a good time. He's a good football player. Exactly. Uh, We talked about, you guys talked about James Cook being uh, James White. I think Kyron Williams is almost exactly James White. Um, You look at the testing, James White ran a 4.57. It's not a great 40. Uh, they had the same jumps in the vertical. They were off in the broad jump by two inches. James White does have 10 pounds on Kyron Williams right now, uh, or I guess coming out, he did. James could, or uh, James White was a fourth-round pick. Uh, I think that's the perfect area for Kyron Williams. I think that that 40, well, I just said I don't care. I think NFL teams will care some. I think if he ran like a 4-5, low 4-5s into the 4-4s, four uh, we're talking about this guy on day two. I don't think he's quite there though. I think he's day three. He's, he's the best receiver in this running back class. So he's got the most confident hands. Um, he doesn't body catch very often at all. It's on the hands. Uh, he shows the ability as a route runner, um, obviously lacking the speed, but yeah, as I think it, Hank said it for a Broncos fit, this is the guy. I mean, I've kind of been looking at him as, as adding him to the Broncos and really being a good addition since beginning of the season. And I'm, I'm still staying true to that when he's not fast, but he, he does have a quick feet. You know, you watch him like he can dance around these guys. He's good in a phone booth. I love his hands. I just, I, I understand the 40 matters and it is why I dropped him out of my top five. I mean, he probably would have been my five if he had even just get under four, six, like get that four five, five range. And we have enough with his body of work to, to put him there, but I, I put Pierce ahead of him just because of that. He's my six. After those six, though, 
I think it's pretty much a crapshoot, man. There are some guys that I'm intrigued by. Like I, I like a uh, Algier or whatever the the BYU kid. He's a bit he's a bruiser, but it's it's tough to, yeah. Like he he was running over some of those smaller, you know, Pac-12 linebackers that that BYU played or like Coastal Carolina. But is it going to translate? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, let's just do the Tyler Algier thing, I guess. Um, he's another like bigger back. I feel like there's a lot of these type of guys in this class, like these, a lot of bruisers. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think he has true three down value, but he intrigued me enough as a runner. He's another guy like the, like I mentioned, like an Elijah Mitchell, Phil Lindsay type, man. I think some team's going to take him like, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh round, something like that. And you could really see a dividend, um, you know, in terms of production and just value from that draft pick. Um, it'd be interesting to see if the Broncos kind of opt to go with a runner like that, especially to pair with Javante, who already kind of has that ability. Um, it's kind of just doubling down, honestly. You're just trying to be a, a really nasty and physical football team in the run game and then just let Russ and the guys outside do their thing. I want Hank's opinion on Max Borgie too, after he gives his thoughts on Algier, because that's a name that I literally just thought of and put no thought into coming into it. But he's a great yeah. athlete, one of the more fun high school athletes I ever watched in person. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Tyson, Tyson Algier, right? Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier. Yeah. Um, he was somebody I really liked last year when we're watching all the Zach Wilson stuff. Um, that's when it looked to me like, you know, really this might, this guy might be the reason this offense is so good. Um, he, you guys kind of said everything else, um, but just, just the production and, and the way he yep. was able to kind of be the, the engine of that offense with Zach Wilson last year, that, that intrigues me. Maybe even Jets take a flyer on him, see if you can recreate some of that. Um, I do also kind of wonder if he has some of that use check in him, like let him be, interesting blocker sometimes let him get out of the backfield a little bit i could get behind that if you're using him kind of as like a hybrid fullback i mean even maybe just a you know short yardage type back i just i don't know the top the, the speed isn't really there he's not slow but he's just he's not like gonna burn past you especially nfl linebackers but the dude runs hard as hell you gotta give him that i mean he at, so combine numbers here comes in at 5'11", 224, which is pretty damn big. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 4'6", flat, which... That's better fine. than I guessed. Yeah, I mean, with that size and speed, or that size and just physicality in his game, uh, I'll take a 4'6", all day. I mean, you watch him play, he's not breaking off 40, 50-yard runs, man. Uh, this is a guy that's just consistently kind of keeping the offense on schedule. Um, and... Like Hank said, the production, the jump in production last year, he was really good, but the jump this year was really good. 23 total or 23 touchdowns rushing guys. Dude was a force in the red zone. Like he, they could not bring him down. Um, yeah. On Borgie, he, uh, I mean, he's, he is a good fit for the Broncos because he does play that receiving back sort of. Yeah. He's like a diet Christian McCaffrey. I mean, obviously McCaffrey's on another level, but yeah, you just, I, you can't run him between the tackles. Like you just cannot run him between the tackles. Like he's not breaking a tackle. He's probably getting hurt. Um, Is it vision or is it just, he's not, he's not, I really didn't watch him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, 
he's a tough one because he isn't all that big and he isn't all that quick for how small he is. So he is kind of like tanky. He has like the big shoulders and stuff, but he can't really run behind him. And again, like as a training camp body, like bring him in because he might pop. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, again, as a training camp, you see guy. him getting drafted at this. Like he's clearly no. he would no. That's no. what I wanted to know. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, like from the Pac-12 though, like CJ Verdell, that that would be a great option. And what he did against Ohio State, basically powering them. I mean, the question is kind of like, first of all, tread on his tires is probably the biggest thing, but also specifically for him because of the way he runs, where it's just like downhill right at you, right at you, bang, bang. He's taking a hit on every play. And and you might have some like Royce Freeman in that, but so fast, so strong, can make guys miss. I think that he's an underrated one in this class. But then uh, also Keontae Ingram from USC. I've, I've been really expecting him to, to rise up. You know, I've seen him get called kind of that, that change of pace, third down type of guy. But I think he has the ability to play all three downs. He is one who I think in like his own scheme could be running between the tackles. Um, has, has some Isaiah Spiller to him, honestly, um, coming out of Texas. That's a... That'd be my big dark horse. And of course, like Britton Brown, it sucks that Zach Charbonnet isn't coming out because he would have been like oh, right behind Keontae yeah. Ingram and CJ Verdell on my list. He's so good. He's so good. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to stay in the Pac-12 here. Rashad White's a guy I like too. Mm-hmm. Um, good size, six foot, 214 from the combine, ran a 4.48. Uh, I like his lateral, uh, lateral agility, ability to kind of just like jump cut and, you know, pick and choose the gap and, zone blocking um, him and Jaden Daniels were a force on the ground. And I think that's why Arizona state was able to win eight games. Um, obviously they had a lot going on in terms of, you know, coaching and possible sanctions and stuff going on there. Um, but Rashad white was really kind of the reason why this team kept on schedule moving forward. Um, 43 receptions too, man. This is a guy that again, day three, I don't, maybe he even sneaks into day two. I could see a team maybe liking him, um, and just trying to get their guy at the end of round three or something. Uh, he's very intriguing to me. Good fit for the Broncos. Who is it? I know we've already said it a couple of points, but just since we've thrown so many names out at this point, I can't keep up. Give me your top three Broncos running backs in terms of fit. This isn't necessarily your top, you know, three running backs overall, but just the guys you feel like would pair best with Javante that make the most sense given who Denver already has on the roster. I mean, you got to start by just like daydreaming against about those top ones, I think. Right. It's like if if you could get like Brees Hall and Javante, that would be like that would just be insane because Brees would probably take more of the receiving stuff. And then you'd figure out. I should add, I didn't even include him because I think he's a first round pick and Denver doesn't have a first round pick. But I I think you're right. Like, probably if, if we're just saying, you know, we get any of them, why not Brees Hall? Yeah. I think any of those guys. Cause they're, I mean, they're all good zone runners. I think that that's kind of the key, but like Kenneth Walker too, like you could see him just lighting things up um, in terms of the others. Like I said, I've got Kyron Williams as um, the first one. who's probably more realistic. Although, I mean, how crazy would it be if the Broncos take a running back at the top of the third and how crazy would it be if any of these guys fell to that point? You know, I, I, I don't think anything's totally out of the cards. Well, that's something I kind of wanted to bring up too is, Obviously, the Broncos took Javante Williams. What were they, 40 last year, 40th overall, mm-hmm. where they took him? 
And so they pick first here at 64. It'd be pretty unconventional to go in that second round area back to back years. I mean, I, the Broncos need a running back, so I, I would understand it, but it'd be pretty just, it'd be kind of strange. Um, to go back to my Broncos guys, I think my favorite guy for the Broncos is actually Tyler Batty out of Mizzou. Um, he's a guy that has ability in the passing game and the run game. Um, he, I liked his hands a lot. You know, I talked, I talked a lot about confident hands and body catching today. Uh, he's a guy that I think has really confident hands. He's a bit on the smaller side. Um, this is not the combine, but a listing from the school, I think is 5'8", 194. Had 268 carries uh, this year for 1,600 yards on the ground and then had another 54 receptions. So he's got that dual threat ability. Um, he's a guy that, again, kind of like Rashad White, I could see a team really liking Tyler Batty and taking him somewhere day two, maybe not second round, but just to make sure that you know they get their guy and don't risk him going to day three. Uh, Kyler, Kyron Williams fits in really well there, really well. Denver two, I like Rashad White, and then um, uh, the South Dakota State kid Pierre Strong is interesting yep. also. That's I, I was going to have him on the list too. I feel like James Cook is probably on that list as well. Oh yeah, uh-huh. just because. Again, like you, have, you can have the questions, but in terms of just catching the ball, terms, he has pretty high ceiling. That's why I like. That's why I had him one, just because I, what, not really planning on Denver taking a running back in the second round. So I was trying to think, like, out of who are these guys third round on? What I see, Kyron Williams, I would put in there, but again, I think he's a better football player than people are giving him credit for after the combine, and I do think ultimately his stock will kind of come back up a little bit after after pro day and. People, you know, don't overreact over the the combine like we tend to do. Anything else we want to say about these running backs, Denver fit, before we kind of put a bow on this whole thing? The Broncos really, really need one. I think, like, (laughs) really need one. Like, if you're planning on having a bell cow back, you've got to plan on him missing at least three games. And right now, what does that look like? That looks like a whole lot of Mike Boone. um, And I don't even know what else. It's uh it's dire. You you need to go find somebody who at the very least can be that two A two B with Mike Boone. And I mean, I, I think if you're if you're dead set on filling that role, that means you get one early fifth at the latest, right? Is is my thought. And I think it'd be nice if you could get somebody who you could actually be excited about putting out there too. So I I think are we a hundred percent sure that Mike Boone can't be an effective change of pace guy? I, I am a hundred percent sure that he has not shown enough to be given the number two job. Fair. Like you, you need good competition and either through free agency or the draft, you need to get good competition. Yeah. Uh, well said, honestly, I think that, I mean, obviously Peyton liked him for a reason, right? Uh, you know, one of the few guys that really kind of came over from Minnesota to Denver almost immediately uh, to answer your question, Hank, Demarie Crockett is your other running back, the guy from Mizzou a few years ago. Oh, that's um, right. So that's about it. Says Adrian Killens also on the roster. Um, but yeah, they got to draft a guy. Uh, Jerome Ford. I want to just mention his name real quick. He's the guy that also I, I'm a big fan of. Kind of in that fringe day two, day three range. Um, was really productive for Cincinnati and popped some big runs. Whether that was because of the competition or not, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get too deep into him, 
Uh, but from what I saw, I really liked him. I uh, don't, who else here? I don't hate that he was a four-star recruit who went to Bama but couldn't see the field and then wound up getting an opportunity and popped. Like, there's another world where maybe he's right there with Brian Robinson, you know? Yeah, you take that for sure. Um, also, I think it's worth mentioning, again, we talked about it at the end of the wide receiver episode, Broncos don't really have a kick returner right now. So I think you could kind of take that into account. Um, you know, I don't know. You have a decent amount of picks. So what is this? You have eight picks if you're the Broncos mm-hmm. right now, starting at 64 overall. Is it out of the realm of possibility you draft two running backs? You draft a guy that kind of fills that third down, maybe rotational role, and then you draft another guy that's just pure speed that has decent hands that can catch the football out of the air on punts and kick returns, and that's your new kick returner? I mean, the, the roster's kind of packed. Like, because, because I mean, even thinking about like, why can't they take one in the second? Like, because what are they going to get? Yeah. Because I hate the idea of taking a tackle in the second. Like, I think if you're drafting a tackle, it's either got to be like, okay, this guy's in the sixth, we're taking a flyer, we're going to develop him, make him a backup, or you take him in the first round. Like, I don't like the idea of I a agree. late second tackle to come in and compete. Um, outside of that, like, you could throw in good like, options a, at tight end, linebacker. Yep. Defensive yep. line right there. But even like a cornerback. Is that somebody you expect to be better than Michael O.J. Mudia? And if not, then is it is it worth the pick? Like, it's at least a conversation. You know, same thing with safety. Like, I think they need to find probably a starting safety. It's like, I guess you found Caden Stearns in the third, and maybe another Caden Stearns is kind of what you look like. So that could definitely be on the table. But the, a, a late second-round pick is like a weird place to be to be drafting. And maybe if, if, one of, if they really like one of these running backs, it wouldn't be the worst idea just to grab him. Well, let me pose this to you guys then. Would you rather bring Melvin Gordon back or draft a running back in the second? Draft a running back in the second, 100%. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Probably. Even yeah. if he takes like a crazy hometown deal. That's the biggest hang up for me is the deal. Um, I don't want to, I wouldn't pay him what he's trying to command. Um, I also can't get over fumbles. I, Shoot, I meant to mention that with a bunch of these guys, um, but I don't know. I I really value that man. If you can't, if you hold on to the ball, I think that's worth a lot. And Melvin hasn't really shown that he can do that consistently. Totally. And on on top of that, like I wouldn't want to give Melvin anything but a one year deal. And yeah. and I just don't think that he's interested in that. But I mean, if you could get him back on a one year deal, and he changes his mind and says he can be just a, a number two back, I'd be down. But Sounds like he has no interest in either of those things. So I think it's probably out for me. Melvin just needs to go get Tim McGraw to tape the football to his hands and then punch it out like Friday Night Lights. (laughs) It's child abuse in that movie, but when it's two grown men doing it, it's okay. Um, Just (laughs) a couple uh, other guys I want to throw out there just with... uh, you know, talking about kick returning and all that. Master Teague, the guy from Ohio State that mm-hmm. kind of got forgotten about and benched um, just two days ago, actually, at Ohio State Pro Day. He ran a 4-4. Um, and I just remember, do you guys remember last year when, I think it was after the Ohio State Pro Day, how they had like the, you saw like the picture of the names in the weight room or whatever that had like the all-time best 40s or whatever at Ohio State. I'll always remember Master Teague was way, way up there. Um, so he's he's quick. Uh, who else could we see here? Oh, uh, Ty Chandler, the guy to North Carolina. Um, he's a transfer from Tennessee. They didn't really see much action at Tennessee. 
comes to North Carolina, obviously big shoes to fill with Javante and Michael Carter gone. Uh, he came in, ran for a thousand yards, showed some ability in the passing game. And then he ran, uh, I have it right here. He ran a four, three, eight, um, right up there with Pierre strong and Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers as some of the fastest times of this class running back class. Well, I think we covered our bases here. Thank you to everybody for listening in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll have hopefully Dre back next week. It's, it's been a while since we've had the full crew. It'd be good to get all four of us on. But obviously, as you know, the, the draft gets closer, everything's going to really kind of come into picture. And we'll have a better idea of you know what Denver's thinking as some of the reports come out and all that fun stuff. Um, Oh, just real quick. I'll be at CSU's Pro Day on Wednesday where I can check out Trey McBride, Manny Jones, Stonehouse Patch and all that. Any standouts, anything worth mentioning from CU's Pro Day, Hank? I know you talked about this on the Buffs pod, but just for people that don't necessarily listen. Yeah. I mean, Carson Wells ran a 4.56. That's a that's okay. better than I expected from him. He, he was not surprised, but um, I mean, I think he's definitely... I, I honestly, I would probably draft him ahead of Nate Landman. Um, I, I I would probably take Carson earlier just because he's like he doesn't really have the pass rush moves that you look for in an outside linebacker, um, three four outside linebacker. But he's just been so strong. He has like that straight arm. He can he can bull rush and do those sorts of things. That I, I wonder if you could coach him up and give him just one or two more counters and all of a sudden unlock a bunch of things from a guy who was sixth in the country in sacks per game already. So. Um, really like him. And on top of doing that, like 240 pounds is great. That, that was the big one. Um, Kari Kutch is like a late round guy. He tested well, 29 position. reps on the bench press. I think he's got a good chance. What position, position does he play? Oh, guard. That's it though. Just those two. Where is Landman really draftable at this point with his injury history? Who? Is Nate Landman, do you see him getting drafted with his injury yeah, history? He'll get drafted for sure. Um, it, it might be pretty late though. It might be sixth or seventh, but I would be really surprised if he doesn't get drafted. Because yeah, he even did the bench press, put up like 20 reps with the shoulder that is what you'd worry That's about good, if yeah. you're worried about injuries. So, Well, we want our team, the NVR guys to succeed. So I, I certainly hope that he gets drafted. Hope he lands in a good spot. Nate seemed like a cool dude in the in the couple of interactions I had with him. We were very fortunate in that regard to, to work with some very, really cool dudes and in Landman and Trey McBride and then David Roddy on the basketball side. Now is always a great time to become a DNVR member. You can get a free shirt with an annual subscription. As we get closer to the draft, we're going to ramp up our draft coverage. We're going to have live draft coverage, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's going to be a blast. I'm going to go take a nap. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward Same. to it. We will be back next week. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to talk yet, so I'm not even going to tease it. It's just going to be a surprise. We'll let you guys come and find out. You know, it's sometimes the uh, surprise is, is good in your life. All right, I'm going to shut up now. Have a great day. Peace. <laughs>